Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Two thousand years ago, two kings crossed paths. One was at the very height of his power. He had risen as high as he could. The other was a newborn baby. One had armies and fortresses and lived in palatial splendor. The other was laid in a feeding trough for animals. Matthew's gospel tells us that some wise men, magi from the east, came looking for a newborn king. And they went, of course, to the capital city because that's where kings would be. And they went to the palace because, of course, that's where kings would be. And they went looking and asked, where is this king of the Jews? But he wasn't there. He wasn't where they expected him to be. He wasn't who they expected him to be. He was a very different kind of king. And in that so many years where those two kings crossed paths, one was on his way down and didn't even know it. And the other was rising to change human history. Two very different kings, two very different kingdoms. And Paul wrote about it later in his letter to the Philippian church. He wrote this way, speaking of that king, who in very nature, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. A new king, a new kingdom. It was not what anybody expected. Maybe not what you expect. Because when we think about kings and power and and, and authority and all of those things, we don't think of humility. We don't think of servanthood. We don't think of vulnerability. But he's a very different kind of king. And he has ushered in a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is something that you and I have access to and become a part of, not by our own doing, not by our own best efforts, not by trying to clean up our own lives. It comes as a gift. It comes as a gift of the king. And when you enter this kingdom, it changes everything. Because one of the things we believe around here is Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. That he is a king that if we will give him authority, if we will allow him to be king, to be Lord, to be boss, to have the authority of our lives, he will change our lives. But there are some decisions we must make along the way. There's some choices that come with being a part of his kingdom. And they're outlined for us by Paul. Because it's the very same character that comes from our king. Some choices we can make. And I want to just for the few minutes that we have here this morning. Just talk a little bit about that. The difference between the kingdoms of this world. And the kingdom of our God. The difference between the way we pursue prominence. And the way God says it works. And we've seen it best in the 
in the example of Jesus Christ. The choices that we have. It's the choice of humility over ambition. Now, Herod was, man, he was all about ambition. He, he was born in a well-connected family, and he knew how to use all of those connections to his greatest. He, 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 he made the right kind of friends. He connected himself with the right kinds of people. When he was 25 years old, he was appointed governor of Galilee. And then five years later, at 30, he was appointed the Tetrarch. And, and he made himself a really good friend of Mark Antony. You may remember Mark Antony and Cleopatra. You've heard that story. Okay, well, when they overthrew Caesar, uh, Mark Antony and Octavian were in partnership, but there became a division between them. Now, Herod made the mistake of siding with Mark Antony, which ended up being the wrong side. And so he ended up being actually on the losing side, and Octavian, who usually who eventually became Caesar Augustus, um, that was the name he took on when he became Caesar, now all of a sudden, Herod finds himself on the wrong end of the deal. I, I, I bet on the wrong horse. I took the wrong path. But he was so good. He was so good. He actually made a point. He went to Rome. He went to Caesar Augustus, to Octavian. He says, hey, you know what a loyal guy I am. I was even loyal to the end of that loser, Mark Antony. And you know what kind of a loyalist I can be. And if you, if you think I was loyal to him, man, I can be twice as loyal to you. And he so convinced Octavian that Octavian made him king of the Jews. He just knew how to work the system. Even when he ended up on the losing side, he learned to turn it to his advantage. He was all about ambition, whatever it took to make it up that ladder. And he was given this title, even though he was not a Jew, he was given the title King of the Jews. Herod, and not just Herod, Herod the Great. <laughs> That's the king that represents the kingdoms of this world. And so you can imagine when these guys come and they ask at the palace, where is this one who has been born king of the Jews? He's thinking to himself, there's only one person who goes by that title around here, and it's me. Because he was all about ambition. It was all about moving up. In contrast to that, you have Jesus, who let go of everything that was rightfully his, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God Something to be used to his own advantage. That he had all of that power. He had all of that authority. In very nature, God. But he didn't choose to use that for his benefit. Instead, he chose humility. He emptied himself of all that he had. He knew the secret of humility. Now, the problem is that every one of us in this room, we have this little kingdom problem. We think we are in control. We want to believe things should be done our way. We want things to be just so that fits our needs. If we have any bit of authority, if we have any bit of power, it's to be used for our own advantage. That's, that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom of Ken. <laughs> the kingdom of Ken is always looking for the advantage. kingdom of Ken is always demanding his rights. kingdom of Ken is always wanting to take credit. I'll tell you a little bit of what the kingdom of Ken looks like just a week ago. Black Friday. One of our family traditions has been since our kids were real little is we take on Friday morning, we go into the city, we take Bart in, we go to Union Square, we just go around and do window shopping. And the kids got to see all the, you know, all the ways that the windows are all decorated for Christmas. And there's a little ice skating rink there and all that kind of thing. Well, now our kids grew up. 
they have their own kids. And so we've just continued the tradition. So we went and we brought our grandkids. My daughter, her husband, two grandkids went into the city, family tradition. And we are there and we go into Macy's and we go up to the top floor where Santa's whole village is. And we find out that um, there's no line for Santa. So, oh, let the kids go see Santa. So she goes and gets in line, my uh, granddaughter. And um, while we had been waiting, we had seen all these Christmas ornaments. And she loved, she is in love with Ariel. Okay? It's like then there was an Ariel Christmas ornament. That is like her favorite of all the Disney princesses. And so she wanted Ariel's little Ariel ornament. So while she's going to get picture taken, we'll go shopping. So Betty got the little Ariel ornament, and she's looking around at other stuff. And I look over at the cash register stand, and I notice there's a, there's a whole setup there, and there's like four cash registers. And over on that side, there is a line that you can't see the end of, people waiting to pay in line. But for some reason, on this side of the cash register stand, I think because there was like a wall behind it, nobody noticed these two cash registers were completely empty. Want to know what I did? I ran over, I got the place in line, I was going, Betty, get over here, get over here, get over here. And we went right up to the front of the line. People for miles waiting, but they didn't know about this empty cash register. And we got it, and we got our thing, we got it paid, we were out of there in no time. That's the kingdom of Ken. <laughs> Looking for the advantage. Trying to find where I can get better than anybody else. And don't look at me like I'm the only one that's ever done that. Because <laughs> I know you. We all have this kingdom problem. You see it in Herod, but look inside. Because there's a little bit of that ambition in every one of us. The lure of ambition is with every one of us. And it takes a conscious choice. Choosing the path of humility. That's what he goes on and he says... So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. What that means is when you see that there is no line there, but all these people are standing in line over there, instead of taking advantage of it, you go over and say, hey, do you know there's an empty cash register over here? That's just one stupid little example. But that's what it means to value others above yourself. And it takes a deliberate choice. And I will tell you, this week, you will have the opportunity. If you go out and you do any Christmas shopping, if you are on the job, you will find, you will find, if you pay attention, you will find this week at least one opportunity to put somebody else ahead of you. And you will have a choice. You can choose the way of this world, the kingdom of this world, or you can choose to bring a little bit of the kingdom of God to this world. And it's going to be your choice. The choice of humility over ambition. It's the choice of servanthood instead of self-interest. See, Herod was all about Herod. He knew how to work the system. And, and he was not a very popular king because he wasn't even a Jew, but he had been placed in charge. And, and so he was not very popular. People really didn't like him. They didn't like this interloper in, in, ruling over them. And so what he did was he found ways to get the people's favor. One of the things that he did, there was a huge earthquake around that time. And he launched a massive rebuilding campaign where people could get the help to rebuild their homes. He knew that if he could give them a little something, if he could look like he was serving them, it would really serve his own interest. And he knew how to do it. The religious leaders couldn't stand him. So you know what he did to, over, to, to win over the, the religious leaders? 
He started a massive building project and rebuilt the temple that had been destroyed to win back the favor of the religious leaders. And he even knew how to take care of his boss. He actually developed the port city a little bit north of Jerusalem. And he named it, it's a big city, made it a huge city of commerce, a port city. And he named it Caesarea. Because <laughs> he knew who signed his paycheck. So he wasn't above using a little bit of manipulation. He wasn't above using a little bit of politicking. He wasn't above any of those things as long as it served his own interests. He knew, he learned that he could serve other people and really serve himself at the very same time. He knew how to move forward. It looked like he was serving other people, but he was really serving himself. In contrast to that, in contrast to that, you have Jesus who made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness. What's interesting is that little phrase, in very, made himself in very nature a servant, is the exact same wording that in the sentence before where it talks about he was in very nature God. In other words, this was a whole transformation. This came from his character. It wasn't like he just served every once in a while. It wasn't an occasional kind of a deal. It wasn't only when it served his own self-interest. It was his very nature to serve. To use what authority power that he had to heal others, to feed others, to care for others. It's a choice of servanthood. It's a choice of saying whatever influence I might have, whatever, whatever authority I might have, whatever power I might have, as small as that might be, instead of using it for my own benefit, I use it for the benefit of somebody else. And I bet everyone in this room has some measure of authority or some measure of power or influence, and you probably don't even know it. You might be a boss. You might be a teacher. You might be a principal. You might be a coach. You might be a foreman. You might have responsibility in one area of your company. You might be president of student body. But everybody here has some measure of influence or authority. What are you doing with it? Jesus says you use the authority that you have not to get the best parking spot, not to get the corner office, not to ingratiate yourself, but for other people. It is the different kind of kingdom. Imagine, imagine what this world would look like if we started living in the kingdom of God. We have said this year, we've been talking about this whole idea of changing the way people view the church. What if, just imagine the difference it would make if those who call themselves Christ followers actually lived in the kingdom. If we truly hum were willing to be humbled, if we were truly willing to serve. I was at a pastor's conference this week. One of the speakers was a pastor of a very, very large church. And one of the things, and actually he started talking about this particular subject. And he says, I know that I have all kinds of power. I know I have all kinds of authority and influence in my organization. And I could use that for myself. But I have to intentionally, intentionally find ways to serve other people. And one of the ways he does it is just with those immediate people that are just directly under him. The, the people that have the upline to him. He says on a regular basis, he says to them, what can I do to make you a success? If I could just do one thing for you today or this week or somehow in your ministry, if I could do one thing, what could I do to make you a success? So here's the thing I want you to do. I'm going to teach a sentence, a real simple one. How can I help you? 
How can I help you? Instead of looking to get people to serve you, help you, going to somebody, in in fact, let's practice this because this is not a sentence we are all used to saying, okay? So just say it out loud together with me. How can I help you? Okay, now say it like you really are going to do it this week, okay? How can I help you? Now, I challenge you this week to use that sentence. Use it for somebody who works under you. Use it for somebody who could use your help. And just simply ask them. You might be amazed at what people will do. And if you think about it, think about the people who who have had the most influence on your life. Who were the people that, the, the boss that absolutely transformed your, your, your whole way of thinking, the one, the one who gave you the most insight, the teacher that, that did the most for you? It was probably the one that looked for a way to make you a success. Herod was all about himself, all about self-interest, all about ambition, and today nobody celebrates his birthday. But Jesus chose a downward path. Humility and servanthood. And for the last 2,000 years, we have celebrated him. See, we think the kingdom of this world, this is the way things get done. But it will only build your little kingdom. And guess what? It's going to die with you. There's another kingdom. Another kingdom. One more choice. It's a choice of vulnerability. Vulnerability instead of intimidation. Herod, towards the end of his life, became so insecure and so paranoid that he would eliminate any possible threat to his throne. He had his father-in-law and his wife murdered. He even had two of his own sons murdered because they represented a threat to his throne. And that's why when Matthew talks about this whole thing about how Herod... uh, Got the badge. I said, now, when you find him, you come tell me so I can go worship him. And he had no intention of worshiping him. And what he, what he found out was that the Magi found out, and they wanted nothing more to do with him. They went home another way. They never came back to Herod. And it says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Because they represented a threat to his power, a threat to his throne. It is better to eliminate your enemies than to leave yourself vulnerable. That's the kingdom of this world. And and what we see in Herod is really just the kingdom of this world out of control. But the truth is, none of us in this room are immune from the lure of ambition and power. None of us in this room are above using a little manipulation, a little coercion, a little intimidation. To serve our own interests. Jesus said no there's a better way. Let me show you a better way. And he did. And he made himself vulnerable. Vulnerable to death on the cross. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. His whole life was vulnerable. From the moment he was born. He took on human vulnerability. And he kept himself vulnerable throughout his life. Even to the very end. And he left everything and made himself nothing so that you and I, who have nothing, would have access to everything. It's a different kind of kingdom, but it will transform the world. It already started.
people who were baptized this morning tell you the transformation that's happened in their life because they've chosen, chosen this other kingdom. And in fact, it's really interesting because it, it comes to us as a gift. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do to earn it, nothing we can do to deserve it. It comes to us as a gift. And the one marker, the one marker that Jesus left with his followers to show your commitment to him is not something you do yourself. Baptism, nobody baptizes themselves. Somebody else has to baptize you. And it's a reminder. You didn't get here by your own best interest, by your own uh, best efforts. You didn't get here by serving your own self-interest. You become a part of this kingdom because he gives it as a gift. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. Thank you.